day he was back, greeted me in my yard, walked inside and resumed his spot in the hall and again slept for about an hour. This continued off and on for several weeks. Curious, I pinned a note to his caller. I would like to find out who the owner of this wonderful sweet dog is and ask if you are aware that almost every afternoon your dog comes to my house for a nap. The next day he arrived for his nap with a different note pinned to his collar. He lives in a home with six children, two under the age of three, and he's trying to catch up on his sleep. Can I come with him tomorrow? (laughs) We get that way, don't we? Uh, I mean, in in our fast-paced world today, even in the place where we live, which seems to be somewhat slower paced than other, other places, we often come to a point in a day or a week or a month or maybe it's every day for you right now where you feel like you just, I just need some rest. You know, I'm, I'm tired. I'm, uh, I'm like that dog who, who wants to get out of the rat race. I mean, we all need rest and it often seems elusive. I mean, I got a schedule to keep. I, I, I keep adding to that schedule and I fit in things. So I'm, well, let me look at my schedule. Yeah, I got an hour. I can, I can just, I can fit that in. So many things in our calendar. And, and let me tell you, times for rest will never, we always say, you know, I just need to find the time to rest. Right? Have you, have you said that to yourself? I saw, I wish I, I wish I had put it up here. I saw a, a meme yesterday. It said, uh, I called my neighbor and said, hey, do you want to go fishing? And his reply was, when are we coming back? And I said, never mind. That's not what fishing is about. Fishing is just going and doing nothing for however long of time that you want to go. We're, there's no set schedule. I just want to go and drown a few worms. And, you know, when we decide to come back, we'll decide. I'm not going to give you a time. Um, look, we, we, we have to plan for rest. In fact, God has planned it for us, right? From the very beginning, our world, when it was created, it was created with a rhythm, and that rhythm included a day of rest. One day every seven days, a day of rest. In fact, uh, in the Old Testament, they were told that the, that the Sabbath day was holy and that they were to keep it that way. Now, I'm not going there today, um, but that is something that's mentioned in our passage today. Uh, we need to take, we need to make the time for rest. Uh, last spring, my wife and I uh, sold our motorcycle and, and bought a camper, and I, I was telling someone, now we just have to find the time, and as those words came out of my mouth, I stopped myself and I said, no, wait, we have to, fi- we have to make the time to use this. And, and without that mindset, it wasn't going to happen because there never is a good time to just take a couple days here and there. It, it, there's, we just think that we can't leave those things undone. Um, but we need rest. Physical rest is very important, but it's not the only kind of rest that we need. Um, this morning, I'm going to be finishing Hebrews chapter 4, and we're going to see three kinds of rest that we experience in a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and what a gift they are um, as we are together with Jesus, who is greater than everyone, greater than everything. We've seen it so far. He's greater than the angels. He's, he's, greater, he's the greatest priest. Uh, he, is, he is our high 
great high priest, which, was gonna, which will be a topic for, that, the, that they will cover next week. But first, before we jump into that, I want to read through Psalm 95, and I don't think I put Psalm 95 on, so, so I want to read this, and, and maybe just close your eyes and, and listen as I read Psalm 95. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord, Yahweh, is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the sea, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us Kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today, if only you would hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did that day at Massa in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested me. They tried me, though they had seen what I did. For 40 years, I was angry with that generation. I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared an oath in my anger. They shall never enter my rest. When that psalm was penned, nation, the nation of Israel was firmly in place in the promised land. They'd been there for years. They, they had finally come to the place at rest. And they're reminded in this psalm, most likely penned by David, to not do what the nation did the first time. And, and in that moment, when, when they were at the, the edge of the Jordan River the first time, and God promised, I'm going to give you this land. That's why it's called the promised land. God said, I'm going to give you this land. I promise. I promise you. You will have this land, and as they stood on the edge of the Jordan River, and they had just been freed in amazing supernatural ways from bondage in Egypt, they had an opportunity to, to listen, to trust, to believe, and in the midst of all of those experiences, they would find rest. That was going to be a part of them entering into the promised land. And in the midst of those experiences, they had doubts, they, they exhibited unbelief, they hardened their hearts to the point where they wished they were back in bondage in Egypt. How does, one, how does one's heart get that hard? And as we saw last week, it's because your heart was never soft to begin with. You had not given your heart to your Creator the one who led you out of Egypt, who led the entire nation out. There were people that believed. Of the 12 spies, there were two. They said, let's go. But they were outvoted. They suffered the consequences of the decisions of the entire nation 
And, and that happens to us too. We suffer. But, but in that suffering and in the suffering that these Christians who are receiving this, uh, this book, this sermon, some refer to it as a letter, um, they're experiencing hardship in their life. And the preacher's saying, hey, don't harden your heart. Turn to the word of God. He says, turn to the word of God. When, when we live like, like selfish people who arch their back and live for their own will and control, when we live like that, we test God. And, and I don't know what it was like for you when you were growing up and what your relationship was like with your parents, but testing your parents was never in my household a good thing to do. Well, at least it was for my older siblings. I mean, I got everything I wanted, <laughs> according to them. I thought I better throw that in case they were watching today. Um, but when we live like that, where we live selfishly and we arch our backs and we're doing our own thing because we think that's what we want best, what, what that does is it, it increases our tr- distrust and our unbelief in God. We, we, begin, uh, we begin drifting. Israel showed their true colors, the true colors of their hearts in those moments on the edge of the Jordan River. And, and we do too, which is why I urge you to evaluate your life. Evaluate the fruit that's coming from your life. Do you have a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ, who is your Lord? Um, these people who heart, had hardened their hearts, they did not enter God's rest. They did not enter the promised land. They would have, and, 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 and realistically, when, when they first went into the promised land, there wouldn't have been immediate rest. I mean, they, they, there was a task at hand. There was a mission, and that, a mission, that mission was actually to wipe off the face of the earth the people that lived in that land. Now, when they eventually go in, they disobey that one too, and it creates lots of problems for the future of the nation of Israel, but they would eventually rest in the promised land. There were wonderful years in the promised land for the nation of Israel. But instead of trusting God, they wandered in the desert until they were dead. That generation, that doubting generation. But even though God's anger burned, and we see this in our passage today, his rest still stands and is available today. God preserved a remnant of that nation because he had made a promise to them. And he, to this day, continues to fulfill that promise. You see, we all absolutely need his rest. If we're honest with ourselves and those around us, we would admit that, that we need rest. And Jesus offers it to us. We just have to listen and respond with faith. Look at Hebrews chapter 4. I trust that you've turned there already, so I'll read. Therefore, verse 1, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. The, the nation of Israel fell short. They, got, they, they could see it. The spies experienced it and tasted of, of its fruits, but they forsook the promise 
And that promise that they forsook is still available. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us, just as they did. The good news for them was that God was going to give them rest and a land flowing with milk and honey. The the promised land, heaven on earth, so to speak. But they didn't trust him. The, the, The message of God fell on deaf ears. But the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now, we who have believed enter that rest, just as God has said. So I declare on oath, in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet his works have been finished since the creation of the world. The first rest that we see here this morning is that of salvation. And salvation comes through Jesus Christ, our risen Lord, by way of our belief. He calls on us, he draws us to himself, and we respond in faith and say, yes, you are who you say you are. Um, Jesus is the only way we can have eternal life. And when we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart that Jesus is the Messiah, God's word says we will be saved. And knowing that gives us the rest of salvation. The preacher is calling on all those who will listen who don't, to believe. And he's saying to all of those who have believed, be encouraged, stand tough, stand strong, continue to read the word of God and trust it and obey it. And you will receive rest to realize there is rest in that faith. There is a peace in the midst of persecution that we can have because we know the truth of our salvation. There is peace in the midst of struggles because we know that we are only foreigners here. We're only strangers in this land. Our true home is not here. And we will one day, like some of those who we've loved who have already gone before us, are experiencing right now. We too will experience that. Even peace in the midst of of our failures. You know, I've never, I mean, I've seen it on TV, I've seen it in movies where a parent will disown a child. I mean, I can see how a parent could become so frustrated with their child and just come to the end of their patience with a child, um, but to disown them? And I've told you this before, but my, my oldest daughter, uh, I adopted her, and um, when I met with the judge, Judge Couts, he said, now let me explain to you something before you sign on the dotted line. He said, when you sign on this line, and the court says and issues a new birth certificate with your last name on it, it will then become impossible for you to disown her. You, you still have the right and can disown your natural-born children, but this makes this, this adoption is permanent. It's done. That's how God adopts us into the kingdom of God when we believe and, and the fruit of our life then is what proves, what shows us that that belief was genuine. And that's why I say we need to be sure that we have reviewed our life. When we come to Jesus by faith, we find salvation rest. I looked up that word rest, and it just, it, honestly, it means rest, comfort, 
ease, quiet, stillness. Now, some of you are thinking, man, if I was doing any of those things, I would not be resting. It's because of the culture that we live in today. It's hard for us to just slow down and stop. It, okay, I'm talking about myself. It's hard for me to just slow down and stop. And, and honestly, I, I, in some, some, sometimes I just say, I can't do it. Well, that's a cop-out. Because I need to do it. I, my life depends on it. Honestly, my relationship with God depends on it. Those moments in time where I just put the phone away, I put a book away, and I just, I just intentionally sit and, and uh, talk, pray, think, and listen. When's the last time you spent, spent five minutes in silence trying to hear God speak to you? Five minutes. I, I struggle with this. I, some, some weeks I can, I can get better at it. Depends on how early I get out of bed in the morning and how disciplined I am to not look at Facebook and my news apps and get entangled in those things and distracted by those things. And the rest of salvation... And, and this rest is found in all aspects of our life, our heart, our mind, our soul, and our body. There, there is rest found in, in salvation in, in our mental state. There is rest found in our spiritual state, of course, our physical state, our psychological state. Now, if you would hold your finger in Hebrews and turn back to the left to Matthew chapter 11. So the preacher is telling the Hebrews truth about Jesus, and he is the great one, the one greater than all things and people. Turn to Matthew 11, verse 28, and actually, I, I, I did throw some slides together this morning, too, because our slide guy is stranded in Riverton with a bunch of wrestlers. Um, so, but, but here, in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, we hear from Jesus himself about what the preacher in Hebrews is reminding of the people. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Now, in our Bible study uh, Wednesday night, we were finally able to have Bible study. The snow moved from Wednesdays to Sundays, it seems, for, from the middle of the week to the weekend. Um, and, and we talked about a lot of these similar truths. Um, we looked at the first, you know, four or five verses of Hebrews. And, and, and I just asked the question, okay, we talk about this all the time. We talk about resting in Jesus and we talk about, um, you know, leaning on him for, for strength and whatever. What does that look like? I mean, we can talk about it all day long, but unless we actually do it in some real way, then all it is is talk. So how do we come to Jesus when we're weary and burdened? Well, one of the ways that we can do that is by what I just talked about is resting in that, is, is being still before him. 
Now, with a small crowd this morning, it's pretty quiet in here. You know, we've got just a few young ones, one somewhat young one, and she's kind of keeping herself entertained up there quietly. She just just laid down with the blanket. Maybe she's going to go to sleep. Hopefully I'm not boring you. I want you to do this. I want you to close your eyes. It's quiet in here. And I want you to think about those things that you would categorize as burdens in your life. Those things that are making you weary right now. And I I want you in your heart and in your mind say things like, Jesus, I know you can hear me. You, you promised you would never leave me nor forsake me. And right here, you, you are telling me to come to you when I'm weary and when I'm burdened, and, and you will give me rest. Speak those burdens to him right now, knowing that he hears you. And I'm not saying even to call on him to fix it. I'm just saying, tell him what's burdening your heart right now. What is making you weary in your life? And then I want you to remember those words of Jesus. I will give you rest. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I I will be with you to the very end of the age. He's still with us. He's still with you. And if, if you practice this quietness before him, laying your burdens down to him. I believe you will find rest. You may not find an answer. You, he may not fix it today. But you will find that rest and peace. And then the preacher goes on to use the promised land as an example. Once, once the nation crossed over into land, they still had, there, there was still work to be done. Their, their faith still had to be practiced on a daily basis. There was plenty of obedience command to, the, to them, just as there is to us. They still had to be obedient. Obedient isn't a one-time exercise. It's an everyday thing. Now, they failed many times, didn't they? Over and over and over and over and over again. And, 
And yet, in their failures, when there was correction, and, and because their hearts trusted God when they were corrected or disciplined, they turned back to him. That's a, an important thing. They didn't harden their hearts and go the other way, which brings us to the second kind of rest, and that is the rest of submission. That hymn called it perfect submission. Now, as a parent, as a parent, have your kids ever rebelled against you? Um, I, I'm sure we have all kinds of different parental experiences in here. Parents whose kids rebelled and literally walked away. Maybe they're still distant. Um, there, there are those of us who's, who our children basically did the opposite of what we asked them to do. Right? Don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And then they did those things. Or do this, please do this, please do this, clean your room, take out the trash, you know, and six hours later, neither of those things have been done yet. I mean, it's upsetting, right? It's upsetting and frustrating and heartbreaking when our children, who we love, albeit not perfectly all of the time, but who that we, who most of us would literally drop everything and, and run to their aid if they called on us and asked us to help with something. If our kids did everything we ask them to do and everything we tell them to do, wouldn't there be amazing peace in the household? I mean, there would not be conflict. There, there would not be frustration. There would be so much more peace at home. Moms, have you ever thought or even said out loud, young man, I brought you into this world, I can take you out? Yeah, we've all had our moments parenting for sure. Okay, now as adults, we all have also experienced the other side of this, right? We have, as adults at one time, maybe even recently, disobeyed our parents. We rebelled against them and their wishes sometimes. Sometime, I, I'm, sure it, I, I'm sure it was long ago, but remember back to those times. Remember back to those times when you didn't do something your parents asked you or when you did do something they told you not to do. Think back to those times. Not a lot of peace experienced in your life in those moments, was there? Either trying to hide what you did uh, or, or some way hide what you didn't do. And then, and then uh, you, know, you begin saying, what if they find out? What if they find out that I did this? And then you start concocting some story that, that you feel like will keep whatever you did or didn't do hidden uh, through a lie. And between the time you disobeyed to the moment that they found out, because, I mean, kids, let me tell you, they will find out. What did it feel like? What was happening in your soul? Not good. Not peace. I mean, it was terrible. I remember the one time that I disobeyed my parents. I remember a time. Specifically, I won't, I won't tell you the story, but I was 
I was so nervous when they, were, when they got home that I was, I don't know, it was terrible. There is no rest in disobedience. There isn't. Seek first the kingdom of God and what? All the rest of this will be taken care of. Seek first the kingdom of God. There, there is rest to be found there. When we submit to our Lord and King Jesus, and we don't fight him, and we don't harden our hearts, listen to Psalm 32, verses 1 through 5. I think maybe I put those up for sure. I did not. Hmm. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed are those who confess. Blessed are those who, it, it doesn't say blessed are those who don't ever do anything wrong. It's blessed is the one who's, who, when he does something wrong, it, those, those wrong things are forgiven because you have come to him. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit is no deceit. And, and this is King David. When I kept silent, I'm, I'm betting you he's talking about his experience uh, with, with Bathsheba. Um, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. I did this thing wrong. Blessed are those whose transgressions have been covered under. But when you're in that moment where there is sin and you haven't repented of it, this is what happens. The hand of God was heavy on me. I, I got tired. I was having trouble standing up underneath the weight of this thing. Verse 5, then I acknowledged my sin to you. And did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. That is rest. That is the rest of submission. When we submit to the authority of God, when we repent of our sin, God lifts his heavy hand off of us. And peace enters in. When we're trying to hide from him, hide our wrong actions or bad attitudes or, or disobedience, we, we lose more and more peace. And, and the, the harder we try to hide it, the worse it gets. It's, it's, I never can figure out somebody that gets pulled over for something and then they take off and they try to get away. Like you're really going to get away. All that does is add things on to, to, to what you're going to be charged with. But, but when we yield and learn of him and obey him by faith, we enjoy submission rest. If you haven't taken your finger out of Matthew chapter 11, um, it's going to be up here. I know this one is going to be up here. Uh, verses 29 through 30, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, Jesus yelled and, 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 and confronted the Pharisees all the time for heaping burden after burden after burden on the people, and, and they did it, you know, in the desire to help people not break a commandment. 
You know, we want you to be short of breaking that commandment, so we're going to have you do this and this and this, and oh, by the way, you can't do this, and on a Sunday, you can't even walk across town because we don't want you working on the Sabbath, and that could be translated into work somehow. I mean, they just added, 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 added. Jesus says, look, take my yoke upon you. Take the things that I'm teaching you, my commands upon you. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. These things will add peace to your life, not the opposite. They won't be burdensome. They will produce life in you. I mean, think, think about any command, any command that Jesus ever said, and try and come up with a reason that, that you think your way would be better. And, and I, would, I would bet big money, more money than I've bet on these two football games today. Which is zero, by the way, just so there's no, <laughs> no misunderstanding here. Um, that his way is better. That his way is better. Hebrews says it this way, verse 4, For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. Why does the preacher do this? He did this in in chapter 1. He said, somewhere it says, somewhere it says, for somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. On the seventh day God rested from all his works. And again, in the passage above, he says, They shall never enter my rest. Therefore, since it still remains for some to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not go in because of their disobedience and their unbelief, God again set a certain day, calling it today. This he did when a long time later he spoke through David, as in the passage already quoted, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Listen to him. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would, have, God would not have spoken later about another day. So, so this rest, as we're thinking about as, as eternity, isn't necessarily the rest that he was using in his illustration. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Look, it's important that you rest one day a week. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us, therefore, based on what I just said, make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. In other words, when God speaks, listen to him. When he makes a promise, you can trust in that promise. When he says, I'm going to give you this land, take it and run with it. For the word of God is alive and active. This is your memory verse for the week. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. For the word of God is alive and active. Think about the descriptions there. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. We read it, we study it, we listen to it, we, we hear it, and we obey it. It cuts us to the quick. Sometimes the judgment of our thoughts and attitudes of our hearts hurts, doesn't it? It doesn't feel good, but it's what we need. 
But when we respond, when we submit, ah, the peace that enters in, that rest, the peace that comes with faithful submission to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, it's not arrogance, it's not pride, it's this peace that passes all understanding. I don't know, I should be worried about this, but I'm just not, I know God's got this. God's rest is still available. His ultimate rest, our rest in heaven, is coming one day. That, that takes work and discipline for us to keep the faith. And the enemy, the enemy wants us to be lazy. The, the enemy wants you to just, you know, pull the oars in, kick back in the canoe, and just ride the flow of stuff wherever it ends up. The enemy wants us to worry about ourselves selfishly, to submit to our personal desires and not submit to God. And, and I believe that if we harden our hearts, that I believe that if we are capable of hardening our hearts and we go down that direction, then we didn't know what we had surrendered to in the first place. A, a clergyman was walking down a country lane and, and he sees a young farmer struggling to load hay back onto a cart after it had all fallen off. And, and he says, you look hot, my son. Um, I think that you should just take a moment and rest and then, and then I'll give you a hand. And he's, the young man said, no thanks, my, my father wouldn't approve. And the cleric says, well, don't be silly. Everyone is entitled to a break. Come over here and have a drink of water. And again, the young man protested that his father would be upset. Losing his patience just a little, the clergyman said, Your father must be a real slave driver. Tell me where I can find him, and I'll give him a piece of my mind. Well, replied the young farmer, you can tell him whatever you like just as soon as I get this hay off of him. You see, there is work to be done in our life. There's work to be done. There's people under piles of hay that haven't heard the word yet, and we need to proclaim it to them. There's, there's friends who are struggling, and, and, and we need to walk alongside them. We need, we, de we need to help them. Let's stay active. Let's read God's word. Let's meditate on it. Surrendering and submitting to what he calls to us to every day, at our jobs, in our homes, in our relationships with our husbands and our wives and friends and family and classmates and, and co-workers. And, and even when we work hard, we will find rest. See, we were created to work, and we were created for relationship. As we carve out those down times in our schedules, we will find rest. The first rest, the rest of our salvation, is is basically peace with God. Okay, as Paul says in Romans 5.1, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, that's salvation, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's where we receive peace with God. For it is by believing that we enter into his rest. The second, the rest of submission, is the peace of God. When we have peace with God as we live our lives, then we are able to experience peace, the peace of God. As Paul describes in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 8, do not be anxious about anything, 
But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And what? The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That peace of God, I think, is what keeps us from drifting. That peace of God is what assures us time and time again, even when maybe our heart is saying, this, this isn't right, you deserve better, you deserve blah, 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 blah. In, in our head, we remember. We remember. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, what, if, you're, if, you're experiencing, if you're not experiencing peace in your life today and you know you have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, look, are you, how, what do you think about during the day? What, what do you meditate on? Paul, Paul says right here, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now that is possible because we have the peace of Jesus in our life and... It's also a, can be a part of our life because we're, we're putting in the work, not, not works unto salvation. I'm not saying that. But there's effort here. It, it takes effort to, to stay focused on the kingdom of God. It, it takes intentionality to live our life this way. But if we would, oh, it is by obeying God by faith and surrendering to his will that the rest enters into us in the present, in today. And a third rest that we experience is this. It's the rest of the future. It's the rest of the future. Verse 13, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare. Don't even try. Don't even think about trying to hide something from God because he sees it all. Um, it's, it's all laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Therefore, based on that, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. Our great high priest, Jesus, is, is intervening to the Father for us. He has gone before us. He is preparing a place for us. He heaven is for real, and, and as children of God, we will experience it. We will one day be in the presence of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And we will know exactly what that looks like. We will experience the light Nothing between us, nothing in the way. We will bow down before him in all of his glory and his radiance and his power, and we will not die. What incredible things we have to look forward to. And that gives us reason to hold firmly to the faith that we profess. Because of the rest that's in the future. When you have a vacation planned, Think about it. When, when you have something planned in the future, something, something really good. For, for, us, for, for us right now, Sarah and I, um, it's, it's that weekend of, of camping. Um, I'm already thinking about it. 
can't wait. You know, I used to try and stay away from lakes on Memorial Day. That's actually, that's the, the nearest place. We, that's how we can fit it in. But I'm looking forward to those moments where I don't have, even have cell reception. So there's no temptation there. Unless there's a football game on. I really need cell reception. Then I get the booster out, and I, sorry, I, yes, I, that has happened. Or let's say you're a young family and you have a trip to Disney World planned and, and, and you're, you're trying to, to create the best experience that you can for your children and, 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 and that's two months into the future. What does your present look like? You think about it, don't you? Think about what it's going to be like. You think about, maybe you think about the warm beach. Maybe, maybe you think about those experiences that you're going to have. Maybe you already have, maybe it's two months away and you already have suitcases sitting on the spare bed and you're already starting to put stuff. That's what we do, isn't it? When we are looking forward to something, it changes our present. It changes our life today. We need to remember that we're, we're foreigners in this land and, and if you are a follower of Christ, heaven, is, it's for real and, it's gonna, and you're going to be in it one day. And that very much should change how we live today. Um, that is the rest that we have of the future. And we will one day be in the presence of our prophet, priest, and king. I can endure this life. And now, we shouldn't just endure it. There's lots of things to learn along the way. But I can get through this life. Because I know that one day I'm going to be with Jesus. That is the rest of the future. We will one day be in a place where there's no more suffering, no more brokenness, no more tears, no more disease, no more pain, no more heartache. Oh man, what rest that will be. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Lord Jesus, thank you for this morning and for those that have gathered here and those that are watching online and have heard this message. And I pray, Father, that all of us would just... We would rest in you. Oh God, help us to not harden our hearts. Help us to respond. When, when you convict of us of something, help us to, to repent and, and to respond to you in faith and trust. So many different lives and experiences are, are, uh, are a part of this group today. And, but you are the King, greater than anything that we could ever face. One day, Father, we're going to receive a crown from you. I don't, can't even begin to understand what that's going to look like, but it's going to be amazing to be in your presence. Help us to live today. Help us to, to live today in the rest of salvation in the rest of submission and in the rest of the future coming. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Let's stand and let's sing this closing hymn, Crown.